Join me in Psalm 64 this evening. Psalm 64. When you get there, I'd like to open with a word of prayer. Heavenly Fathers, we consider the truths that we have learned through our series on Wednesday nights and psalms, even the songs that we have sung this evening. We proclaim, now with our hearts, even as we've done with our mouths, how can I fear? For Jesus is near. Heavenly Father, we know who you are. And we know that regardless of what the world throws at us, regardless of what we face, regardless of what the week ahead has for us, regardless of what we are currently walking through, we can proclaim with boldness, how can I fear? Because my God is greater. He hears, he knows, he's working. And Heavenly Father, what hope is there for us in knowing that you are God You are a God who hears. You are a God who works. And therefore, we will not fear. Give us boldness. Give us strength for the day. We pray even now as we look at this passage that we would be encouraged at our God who hears, our God who sees, and you are God who will do what is right. We pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Psalm 64. Hear my voice, O God, in my meditation. Preserve my life from fear of the enemy. Hide me from the secret plots of the wicked, from the rebellion of the workers of iniquity, who sharpen their tongue like a sword and bend their bows to shoot their arrows, bitter words, that they may shoot in the secret at the blameless. Suddenly they shoot at him and do not fear. They encourage themselves in an evil matter. They talk of laying snares secretly. They say, who will see them? They devise iniquities. We have perfected a shrewd scheme. But the inward thought and the heart of man are deep. But God shall shoot at them with an arrow. Suddenly they shall be wounded. So he will make them stumble over their own tongue. All who see them shall flee away. All men shall fear and shall declare the works of God, for they shall wisely consider his doing. The righteous shall be glad in the Lord and trust in him and all the upright in heart shall glory. Psalm 64, like many of the Psalms, uh, we understand the Psalms, they are, they are songs and yet so many songs are, are the overflow of their heart. They're, they're a prayer. We're proclaiming these truths. This is what Psalm 64 is. It is a prayer put to music. That first song we sang this evening, Hiding in Thee, verse 3 says this, How oft in conflict, when pressed by the foe, I have fled to my refuge and breathed out my woe. As we come to Psalm 64, that's exactly what is going on. David in conflict, pressed by the foe, flees to his refuge and breathes out his woe. He's running 
to God. He's crying for strength and for help and for God to hear him. And that's what we see here in Psalm 64. God does hear him. And God answers. As you work your way through this psalm, you see in the first two verses, David, his request, his cry out to God, verses 3 to 6, then the wicked, and then verses 7 to 10, the end of the, the psalm, God. We see David, the wicked, and God. As we start here in verse 1, we see David and his cry. Hear my voice, O God, in my meditation. Hear my voice, O God. So often, so many of the Psalms have that cry from David's heart. O God, hear me. That's the cry of all of our hearts as we go to God in prayers and not. That's the whole point of prayer. God, hear me. See me. Understand what I'm going through. We wouldn't pray if there was no hope of God hearing us. Hear me. Preserve my life from fear of the enemy. Notice that from fear of the enemy. Fear itself can be crippling, can it not? It's not just from the enemy and from what they can do, but from fear itself. It's, I find it interesting that this is the same man who in Psalm 23, that famous psalm, he boldly states, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, what more fearful thing can you go through? And yet, even there, he boldly states, I will not fear. And yet here we see, God, keep me from fear. Help me. Give me not only strength to endure, but boldness to not be afraid. I think just in that consideration, there's a lesson for us. Life has its up and downs. There were times when David boldly proclaimed in Psalm 23, I can go through the valley of the shadow of death and I will not fear because my God is with me. And then there's times like Psalm 64 where that very same man pens, God, protect me from fear. I am tempted. I am afraid. It is all around me. Protect me. Preserve me. Give me boldness. Life has its up and downs like that, does it not? Times when we are so bold, even in the valley of the shadow of death. When it's easy to trust. When boldness comes naturally. You know, if we're honest with ourselves, far more times we find ourselves in a place like Psalm 64, where it's not so easy to fear. It's not because God has changed. It's not because God is any different. It's because we are finite man. It's because we're sinful people. God is the same in Psalm 64 as he is in Psalm 23. And that's why David prays boldly to him. I am weak. This fear is threatening me. And yet God, hear me. Preserve me. 
In fact, not only that, look what he says in verse 2. Hide me from the secret plots of the wicked, from the rebellion of the workers of iniquity. Hide me from the secret plots of the wicked. There's a recognition there of God's omniscience, is there not? Save me from the things that I don't even know about. Things that are going on behind the scenes. Plots that I have no idea. And yet you, my God, know. Save me from those things. From the rebellion of the workers of iniquity. This is David, these verse two verses. This is his, his mindset. He's just going to God with this prayer. This is what he desires. Hear me. Preserve me from the fear of the enemy and hide me from the secret plots of the wicked. Well, who are these wicked? That's what we see in verses 3 to 6. And, and really, you'll notice here that the focus is not on physical violence or physical danger. It's on the tongue. It's on words. Look how these wicked are described. They sharpen their tongues like a sword. They bend their bows to shoot their arrows. And what are these arrows? They're bitter words. They sharpen their tongue. They bend their bows. There is a cruel purpose in their hate. This is not a misunderstanding. It's not a slip of the tongue. It's not, oh, I didn't mean it that way. They are seeking to do damage with their tongue. They are lying. They are scheming. You can't deny the power of words. There's that little saying that we learn as children, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. I couldn't be farther from the truth. There's probably been a lot more hurt done in history through words than through any sticks or stones. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Words hurt. Words are powerful. We see that truth all throughout Scripture. In James, how powerful a little member is. In Psalms, several times. In Proverbs. All throughout Scripture, we are taught of the power of the tongue. It goes on in verse 4. They sharpen their tongue, they bend their bows to shoot these bitter words, that they may shoot in secret at the blameless. At the blameless, at those who are innocent. So these are false rumors, they're false accusations. These are things that are made up simply for the purpose of hurting. Suddenly, they shoot at him and do not fear. These are cunning men. They lie in ambush. They are waiting for the perfect moment to strike, to tear him down. When this lie will, will most likely be taken as truth, when it can hurt him the most, they encourage themselves in the evil manner. They talk of laying snares secretly. They say, who will see them? Notice again the secret matter of this. As painful as words can be, how much deeper the pain to find out what has been said behind your back. It's probably been a time in your life when, when you found that out. 
It's one thing when someone comes to me and says something mean to my face. It still hurts. But a lot of times there's a lot more context to that. I can deal with that most of the time. But when it's behind your back, when someone is lying, when they are scheming, when they're saying these mean things behind your back and you have no idea what is going on, and that's why David in verse 2 says, hide me from the secret plots of the wicked. They ask who will see them. God sees. God knows. And that's what David is hoping in in this psalm. These things are going on. I can't see them. I can't stop them. I have no idea what they're going, go, well, what's going on. But what I do know is that my God sees. I know that my God hears. So God, hide me from these plots. Hear my voice. They talk of laying snares secretly. These snares tie in back to verse 4. Suddenly they shoot at him. It's an ambush, a trap to twist his words. We see this in politics all the time, do we not? Especially in our day and age. I was looking online a little bit today for examples of when politicians' words have been twisted and we could have done that all night long. There's many examples. When a politician says one thing and then they splice it together and make it look like something completely different. Twist his words. Twist her words. That's what's going on here. They're laying snares. They're secretly, they're looking to trap me. And they're so bold in doing this. Who will see them? So they devise iniquities. We have perfected a shrewd scheme. They take pride in this. Both the inward thought and the heart of man are deep. And you come to verse 7. 7 through the end of the chapter, for the end of the psalm in 10. All this is going on, but God. But God shall shoot at them with an arrow. They bend their arrows to shoot their arrows, these bitter words, but God will shoot them with an arrow. They think that they are smart, but God sees. And God hears the cry of the righteous, and God will respond. God shall shoot at them with an arrow. If you look at the psalm, and you kind of take that arrow in context in verse Three, it's their arrows are what? Their bitter words. Verse seven, they shall shoot, God will shoot at them with an arrow. God's word against them is far more powerful than their words against David. And ultimately, God's word against them is a word of condemnation. That's what you see at the end of this as it builds to verse 10. The righteous will, rejust, will, will, will rejoice in the justice of God. They will be condemned. God will shoot them with an arrow. And just like verse uh, 4, suddenly they shoot at him, God responds, suddenly they shall be wounded. They think that they have the drop, they're, they're coming in, they're ready to shoot, and, and before they know it, God comes in. 
God shoots. God responds. So he will make them stumble over their own tongue. What they saw to be their strength becomes their weakness. Their pride leads to their fall. Their words are turned against them and bring destruction. And all who see shall flee away. This crowd that has gathered around them to hear these lies, to hear these rumors, they're dispersed. Harmful words are only harmful if there's an audience to hear them. This crowd is dispersed. These people flee away. They seem to have so much going for them, they trip over their own tongues. Now why does this crowd flee? Because all men shall fear and shall declare the work of God, for they shall wisely consider his doing. God's justice. As God responds, God's justice brings God's praise in the earth. As they see God act justly, as they see God respond on behalf of his people, as they see them punished for their wickedness, they fear the Lord. They declare the work of God because they wisely consider his doing. Look what he has done. Not only does the earth respond by praising God, but the righteous. God's justice encourages righteous rejoicing. The righteous shall be glad in the Lord and trust in him. God's justice builds faith. As the righteous see what God has done, they're glad in the Lord. They rejoice. Their trust is built up. And all the upright in heart shall glory. In the end, those on the Lord's side will rejoice. No matter what they're going through, those on the Lord's side will rejoice. For God sees and God hears and God is just. focus of this psalm is clearly on words, on the tongue. And I think so often as we look at the psalms, as we read the psalms, as we study the psalms, we tend to identify with the psalmist. We tend to identify with the one who is oppressed, not the oppressor, or with the psalmist as he praises God. But I don't think we can look at a psalm like this without pausing to consider our own hearts in the issue of the tongue. In all honesty, we must shirt our own hearts, especially in such an age as ours with social media, the ease to make sweeping accusations, to make assumptions and to to run with them with little consequence. A psalm like this should cause us to consider our words. Because your words matter. As I mentioned earlier, it's one of the major themes of Scripture, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Words matter. As we read the psalm, we would tend to to see ourselves in David's position. Look what everyone else says about us. 
But I think we must turn inward and say, what am I saying about others? My words do just as much damage to others as their words do to me. Consider your words. Do they build up or do they tear down? Sadly, there are many churches that could be described as verse 3. They sharpen their tongue like a sword and bend their bows to shoot their arrows bitter words. There's many churches that that describes. There's many Christians that that describes, sadly. And may that not be us. Let us consider the power of our words. Not to tear down, but to build up. Secondly, chances are in life you will be slandered. You will be lied about. You will be the, the, what am I saying? You'll be the one hurt by words. But God sees. And God hears. And God will respond. And when the world speaks against you, God speaks a better word on your behalf. As the world lies about you and accuses you, he calls you forgiven. He calls you righteous. He calls you beloved. Regardless of what the world says, he will not let injustice go unpunished. Words hurt. But it is infinitely better to be slandered than to be the slanderer. And so as you look at this psalm, and you put it in context, I, as I was studying, I was kind of, you know, it's going to sound weird saying it now, but I was imagining, like, what would I say if I was counseling David in this situation? If he comes to me and he says, look what they're saying to me. Knowing my personality, I'd probably tend to be like, okay, well, get over it. It doesn't matter. But words hurt. And they cut deeply. And the hope is this, in this psalm is that God sees that and God hears that and justice will be done. And so find hope in that. And if you're the one who's cutting with your words, if you're the one who's being mean, if you're the one who is lying, whether that's against a brother or sister of Christ in this church, or out there in the world, repent. See the power of your tongue and the, the, the damage that can be done by your words. And speak the truth. Speak what is lovely. Speak what builds up. And if you are, find yourself torn apart and beaten up,
Know what God says about you. He sees. He hears. He knows. And justice will be done. And find hope in that. It doesn't feel good in the moment. It's hard in the moment when, when someone is lying about you. When someone is twisting your words. It's hard to find comfort in, okay, well, one day, eventually, down the road, in eternity, I know God will do what is right. It's not just down the road. Right now, God hears and God sees. And right now, God is at work in ways that you have no idea what he's doing. Even as those lies are being spoken, you can't see what God is doing. But God knows what he's doing. You don't know what's going on in that person's life. You don't know what God is doing. Justice will be done. Trust God to take care of it. The righteous shall be glad in the Lord and trust in him, and the upright in heart shall glory. God does hear, and God does see. And that is encouraging for those of us who are in Christ. We're going to transition now to a time.